Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, March 9th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the Mississippi legislature is moving ahead with the most restrictive abortion regulations in the country. So we have a human being 15 weeks old, uh, and people believe that you ought to be able to destroy that life. We don't. So I'm very encouraged about where we're at. I hope at some point Mississippi is free of abortion completely, and I hope it, it is before I leave office. Then learn more about the support one organization is lending to Mississippians with disabilities. Plus, a new social media campaign designed to help Mississippians be happy and healthy. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. that would make Mississippi the most restrictive state in the nation for abortions is headed to the governor's desk. The House passed HB 1510 yesterday. The measure bans abortions after 15 weeks. Current law bans abortions after 20 weeks. There are exceptions, such as medical emergencies or a severe fetal abnormality, but there is no exception for pregnancies that result from rape or incest. Felicia Brown-Williams is with Planned Parenthood in Mississippi. She says the bill is part of a larger strategy for anti-abortion rights advocates. The National Anti-Abortion Group is pushing this legislation specifically in states where they feel like they might be able to get a favorable court judgment because they'd like to take this to the Supreme Court and their hope is that they can overturn Roe v. Wade. Republican Senator Angela Hill of Picayune supports HB 1510. She spoke with MPB's Desiree Frazier. Second trimester abortions um, the health complications of the women increase dramatically as the, the woman is, is farther along in the pregnancy. That's a primary concern. I think about 2,100% is what the increase of complications goes up with, with the woman um, having abortions further into the second trimester after 15 weeks. Um, also, um, the psychological um, things that women have to deal with sometimes after abortions when they do realize, you know, what has happened and, and, and they may regret it. I've talked to several women and I've had some women write me letters and thank me for bringing this up because they said that, that having that abortion, especially further along in the pregnancy, um, you know, really scarred them, you know, for the rest of their life. And not only that, not only the health of the women, we, we, have, a, we have a public interest, a, a compelling state interest to, to try to further protect the health of the women. Um, and I Technology has advanced so far um, with with techniques that women who wanted to end a pregnancy um, earlier in the pregnancy, you know, certainly we don't want anybody to end a pregnancy, but there's so many things available now for women earlier that we really should not have any 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 abortions once the baby's fully formed like that and the doctor has to you know basically crush the skull and pick the baby out limb from limb and count the parts it's just something that 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 we don't really even shouldn't even be talking about some might say what's the difference between 20 weeks and 15 why make that distinction why not leave it the way it was well we as technology advances we understand that babies are more sensitive to their surroundings even at the the time of 15 weeks 
We know that the sex is determined. We know that the babies can hear their mother's heartbeat. Um, that's why some people call it a pain-capable act. Um, they believe that babies can respond to stimuli at that, at that level. And as technology has, has advanced, we understand that babies are much more capable and much more developed um, with their senses than we, than we originally thought they were. Some are wondering why um, incest and rape was not included as exceptions to this. It was not included in the 20-week bill either. And like I said, the technology has advanced so much to where if somebody wants to end a pregnancy earlier than 15 weeks, there are so many options out there, over-the-counter pills, um, many, many options that were not out there years back. Senator Angela Hill. Senator Barbara Blackman is a Democrat from Canton. She talks about why she voted against the measure. Well, obviously I voted against it because I believe just like I had the right to choose whether I had children or not, every woman has the right to make that decision in consultation with their family and their physician. I do not think that we should be the state that's always doing the most reactive and the most restrictive on abortions. We are not the state that once a child is born, trying to take care of that child. So therefore, we should allow a woman to make that choice. And throughout the Bible, it constantly tells us, choose. So if we're those who feel that it's a religious decision, he gives us free will. And he allows us to make that choice. And then he also forgives us for all of our sins. What about critics who say um, it's a life? And when that abortion occurs, you're killing a life. Again, Roe versus Wade says that a woman has the right to make decisions as it relates to her body. So I don't think that government should now inject itself. And I still go back to the Bible. You have free will, and you make a choice. And then it also says, judge not, lest ye shall also be judged. And we are not to judge. And once we seek forgiveness, and we seek it earnestly, we are forgiven for any sins that we make. What do you think the implications of this bill are going to be? A challenge. Where? In, in court. So do you see it going to the U.S. Supreme Court? Well, I really don't know where it's going to go, but I do know that I saw in the paper that the, the only clinic that's in the state right now is going to challenge it. Senator Barbara Blackman. Governor Phil Bryant, a Republican, supports House Bill 1510. He says he sees the bill as an important step in the right direction. Anyone can look at science. I'm always encouraged by those that support global warming, and they refer to scientists. Look at the scientists. Listen to the scientists. If you listen to scientists, um, many of them, most of them, will tell you that life begins at conception. So we have a human being 15 weeks old, uh, and people believe that you ought to be able to destroy that life. We don't. So I'm very encouraged about where we're at. I hope at some point Mississippi is free of abortion completely, and I hope it it is before I leave office. House Bill 1510 is now headed to Governor Bryant's desk, where it is expected to receive his signature. 
In other news, another piece of legislation getting a lot of attention this week is House Bill 1083, which passed the Senate on Wednesday. Speaking at a groundbreaking ceremony in downtown Jackson, Governor Bryant says an amendment to the bill allowing certain teachers and school staff to carry guns to class is a good idea. I'm encouraged by it. I think there were some good amendments made on the floor. Uh, But as I've said from the very beginning, I think uh, of their own volition, you can take teachers who hopefully have had some experience, maybe in law enforcement and military, uh, train them to be armed uh, in in the event that you have an active shooter situation. The only way to stop someone with a gun that is killing children is if you have a gun. They will not stop uh, in, in any other conditions. And so I support this bill. I think it will save lives. I don't know many parents, and maybe there are, but if my child uh, is being uh, is in danger of being shot by a madman, uh, I would pray that someone with a gun would stop them from killing my child. House Bill 1093 is now back in the hands of the Mississippi House of Representatives for more work. Coming up, learn more about the support one organization is lending to Mississippians with disabilities. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Owens. I'm Dr. Allie Brown. Join us on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio, where we talk about issues related to health from a woman's perspective. Listen to us on Southern Remedy for Women on Fridays on MPB from 11 to 12. You don't have to be a woman to call in. So we'd love to hear from you. It's the show for women and the people who love them. Listen to us this morning. We'll be taking your calls to answer all your health questions. It's Southern Remedy for Women. This morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Advocacy groups are spending the month of March honoring and raising awareness of the 47,000 Mississippians living with intellectual or developmental disabilities. LaRon Jackson was diagnosed with cerebral palsy at birth and is in a wheelchair. He works part-time as an advocate at a legal advocacy organization called Disability Rights Mississippi. He shared some of his experiences with MPB's Ashley Norwood. Okay, Lauren, tell me what do you do here? Tell me a little bit about your job. I'm an advocate. We um help people that's been discriminated against on the basis of their dis- disability. Like, if you feel like you've been discriminated against on the job and it's because of your disability, we go advocate for those type of people. If they need our services. So tell me about uh, your disability. I have cerebral palsy. I had it since birth. And this all I know. What are some of the things that you go through daily? Well, of course, it's always some limitations. But with services and, st- and things like that, I can live a productive life. I always tell people, never judge a book by its cover because if you open up that book, the cover might look bad on the outside to you, but if you open up that book, you can learn a lot from that book. So how important do you feel you having, you know, your disability and then also working here as an advocate, how important do you think that is for other people who are dealing with things? Oh, that's very important because who better to fight for you than a person that's walked 
walked in your shoes versus a person that might not know how you feel or I never went through some of the same struggles that you went through. Every disability is different, but we all had the same struggles sometimes in life. LaRon Jackson with MPB's Ashley Norwood. Polly Tribble works with LaRon at Disability Rights Mississippi. She talks about why it's important to find ways to work with people with disabilities and about the advocacy work they do together. March is Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities Awareness Month, which just means that we, people in our community, focus on people that have intellectual or developmental disabilities, which that's a, a big class of people. So for people who may not know, you know, just off top what an intellectual or developmental disability is, can you kind of talk about what some of those instances look like? Okay. Well, it is um, someone with a disability who acquired it before the age of 21. So um, somebody with um, cerebral palsy or autism or epilepsy, um, somebody who has a hearing impairment or a visual impairment. Um, and usually when we speak of somebody with a developmental disability, it, it happened, it occurred during those developmental years, and it can last a lifetime. So in Mississippi specifically, how are these people treated? Um, are, are they given equal access to employment or, you know, just other resources as someone who, you know, may not have a disability? Unfortunately, we're not there yet, but... Um, we are making great strides in including people with IDD in the community, whether it's living or working or playing. That's what my agency's about, and that's what this month we want to highlight is that um, people with intellectual or developmental disabilities have the same opportunities and the same choices that everyone else has. Looking at the numbers of how many Mississippians do have those do have developmental disabilities, um, just like like you said, it is helpful to have someone employed. Um, so, how big of an impact could that be if a lot of other agencies also thought the same way? Well, I mean, you know, I think people would find employers would find that there's no differences. You know, that's kind of what we we want them to know is that. Um, it, it might provide different challenges. For instance, we moved, recently moved our offices, and we had to take his needs into consideration because he uses a chair, but it's a larger chair than some because it's um, electric. So, um, you know, we it's, it's an added layer of something you have to think about, but the rewards far outweigh you know, the the special things that we have to do. And I think you'd find, I mean, it's been our experience, not just with LaRon, but it's been our experience hearing from other people that people with intellectual disabilities are some of the best employees because they're punctual. They're, you know, they're rule followers. They're, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's a stereotype that I don't necessarily... Um, it's a good one, but, you know, we just want people to know that they they can be great employees. Is there any other additional information that you would like the public to know just in the season of this month and spreading awareness across Mississippi? I think it's just an opportunity for us to tell people again that people with disabilities, we don't want them to be seen as some people that have limitations. It's about abilities, and it's about what we can do 
and it's our job to make them fully integrated into society. And that's, you know, playing, working, living, worshiping, all those things. Polly Tribble, the Executive Director at Disabilities Rights Mississippi, thank you so much. You're welcome. Coming up, a new social media campaign designed to help Mississippians be happy and healthy. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Tomi Adeyemi is 23. She graduated from Harvard with a book deal. And it's sinking in. She's now an author. I just walked to my bookshelf and I was like, this is my book. Wow. So that that was actually a crazy experience. It's fantasy for young adults, like Hogwarts, if Hogwarts were in West Africa and referenced Black Lives Matter. I'm Mary Louise Kelly, Children of Blood and Bone. That's this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. MPB's At Issue has the 2018 legislative session covered from all angles. MPB's political analysts, Democrat Brandon Jones and Republican Austin Barber, provide insight on the critical issues facing the state. They should have the right to carry to protect themselves and their families. And how these issues impact you. Give the gentleman a chance to go back and put some more teeth in the law. Join host Wilson Stribling for Mississippi's only statewide television news program, At Issue, every Friday at 7.30 p.m. on MPB. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A new social media campaign is trying to show Mississippians they can learn healthy lifestyle changes that improve their health. The Mississippi State University Extension Service is launching a social marketing campaign called Happy Healthy. Administered through the Office of Nutrition Education, the Happy Healthy campaign focuses on teaching generations how to choose and prepare foods in a healthier way. In our ongoing examination of the state of obesity in Mississippi, MSU Extension Professor Sylvia Bird tells us more about Happy Healthy. The Happy Healthy campaign was developed by the Mississippi State University Extension Service to help Mississippians live a happier, healthier life. The campaign was based on formative research that we conducted with low resource audience in Mississippi, and the campaign was developed by Mississippians for Mississippians to help create awareness of the importance of food preparation, eating fruits and vegetables, whole grain, being physically active, and at the same time understanding the love that families have for food and honoring those traditions. Sylvia, are you targeting a specific group of Mississippians? Yes. um, The campaign is developed for the SNAP uh, audience in Mississippi and is through the SNAP-Ed program, which is a nutrition promotion and obesity prevention component of SNAP. So the goal of our SNAP-Ed is to improve the likelihood that individuals who are eligible for SNAP will make healthy food and lifestyle choices to prevent obesity. Of those SNAP recipients, do you know what tends to be the largest challenge? Would it be lack of activity or eating foods that might be the best choices for them? So I think when we talk about Mississippi, Karen, and we look at the low-resource audience, there are a lot of challenges in terms of food access, in terms of choosing a healthy food, um, or just understanding how all foods can fit in moderation and being physically active. So our strategies that we work with um, work in schools to teach children uh, just basic knowledge about nutrition, and then we're working to teach cooking skills. We're implementing a program called Cooking Matters, 
uh, in Mississippi in 30 counties to teach basic food preparation skills. Um, one of those classes is also about taking a grocery store tour and learning how to purchase groceries. The other component of our plan is Smarter Lunchrooms, where we're working with the Department of Education, Office of Healthy Schools, to implement Smarter Lunchrooms in the cafeteria. We have edible gardens, and we're also working to implement the Happy Healthy campaign and the message just making healthy lifestyle choices. What is the social media aspect of this campaign? The campaign includes our website, happyhealthy.ms, and we also have a Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram account um, for reaching our uh, younger, low-resource audience. You mentioned people don't always have access to food, and I think that's particularly true of fresh fruits and vegetables. Also, fresh produce tends to be more expensive than other food choices. Yes, when we look at um, purchasing fruits and vegetables, the message that we want our low-resource audience to hear is, yes, fresh is best, but canned and frozen also have a place in our diet, and those can be more readily available, can fit in with uh, not having refrigeration and other challenges that our audience may fit. So we really just want families to understand how important it is to eat fruits and vegetables and if they have a garden and can garden and grow their own uh, to help with the access issue or if they can obtain frozen or canned foods, those can provide the same nutrients that fresh provide. How else will you reach out to people? You, you mentioned getting into the classroom and, uh, and teaching students you know, basic cooking, which sounds great. Even that trip to the grocery store sounds like a very important element to eating healthy and choosing proper foods. But what else are you doing? Through our formative research, our families told us that, yes, they do want to learn how to cook and how to do it quick and easy and on a, on a budget. So that's why we uh, adapted the Cooking Matters curricula to use. Um, we also talked about being in the school cafeterias, working with the Smarter Lunchroom Movement and a partnership with the Office for Healthy Schools and the Mississippi Department of Education on helping uh, children using a theory called behavior economics where we make kind of impulse decisions. So if we have a bowl of fruit in the cafeteria line as the child comes in and we have both a cold and a hot serving of fruits and vegetables and just continual reminding reminders of happy, healthy food, uh, fruits and vegetable posters that are on the wall and just that constant reminder to help students choose fruits and vegetables as they go through the line and to be more mindful of the need for fruits and vegetables on their trays. Sylvia, how can people find out more about Happy Healthy? Happy Healthy has a website, and it's www.happyhealthy.ms, and uh, there's additional information about the campaign on the website. Sylvia Bird is with the Office of Nutrition Education at the Mississippi State University Extension Service. Sylvia, thank you very much. Thank you, Karen. Again, for more information, visit the Happy Healthy website at happyhealthy.ms. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. 
Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's the Gestalt Gardener. Then at 10 o'clock, it's Next Stop Mississippi. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB public media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. South Haven, Jackson, and Ocean Springs. Get to college advisors help students and families plan and pay for college. Learn more at woodwardhines.org.